News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, the Pete Callender Show here. And I'm Pete. And uh, yeah, the number 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete at the Pete com. You can also hit me up on Twitter, which is it's where I do most of my masterpieces. Um, <laughs> at, at Pete Callender. And the podcast is at WBT.com. Uh, or the BeCalendarShow.com, actually. And you can go either of those places. You click on follow. And then, uh, it, and by the way, people ask me what platform is best. It doesn't matter. Any of the podcasting platforms, you can get it on. Uh, whatever your choice is fine by me. Uh, joining me now is the Speaker of the North Carolina House, Tim Moore. Uh, welcome, Mr. Speaker. How are you? I'm doing well, Pete. Great to be on the show. It's also good to see you this weekend. Yes, and same to you. You did a... Uh, good job at the uh, uh, for your speech at the uh, John Locke Foundation's Carolina Liberty Conference, and uh, so let me start with one of the things that you mentioned there: uh, the veto of the um, uh, the gov- or the veto override that you say is going to happen uh, for Governor Cooper's Free the Smiles Act veto. That's that's correct. So uh, the Senate will have to go first to to do the veto override vote. But once they do it, uh, then we'll be able to. So, but it does depend on them actually being able to successfully override it first. Ah, so so, do you believe you have the votes in the House to override it if it gets there? You know, I really do. Uh, I, I feel like we have those votes from from every indication we've had. But uh, you know, we've also seen that these things can uh, they can turn around pretty quickly. But to me, it's it's common sense. I mean, what that bill says is this: is that it is up to parents to decide whether or not their child should or should not wear a mask. And given where we are on the science, given where we are in terms of the the virus right now and the protocols, that that's what most places are doing, and it makes sense. But what we have a situation right now with you know the governor having vetoed it, where you basically have a patchwork around the state. You have some school districts where they're requiring the mask, and other districts where they're not. And I think it ought to be, it ought to be the same, and the parents ought to have that option. Yeah, Charlotte Mecklenburg—they're still masked up through March seventh, I think, and they wouldn't even tie their mandate to the county's mandate. When the county said its indoor mask mandate was dropping last week, the school board came back like the next night, and they would not go along with tying theirs to the county. It's it's kind of nuts. It's like the science is different inside the K twelve system in Charlotte. Yeah, it, 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 it's absolutely silly because no one can, you know, there, there are certain instances where the, where the masks are probably helpful, and there are instances where the masks, you know, are, are not as helpful. And you, you have a situation right now where, when it comes to children particularly, that, it, that it's like a distraction. But, but I thought something that was very, um, that was very telling was uh, when we were discussing the bill in the House, one of our members uh, stood up and talked about how his nine-year-old granddaughter had pointed out how she really didn't even know how the school children that were that, that the children of class what, what they looked like. Yeah, uh, they were out. She she was out somewhere and you know at a ball game or something and saw and there was another little girl that was in her class and she didn't actually even recognize her because the only time she'd ever seen her had been with a mask. Yeah, and so it's it, and I think what what's you know what's the point on that is to remember that. With children who are, you know, informative years, who is a part of their communication, also need to be able to learn and know like the nonverbals and 
just your reading expressions and so forth, that, that what you have right now, uh, that, that, it, that it certainly is an impediment. But it doesn't, uh, it, it, and you know, if there was a danger and you could show that the masks were really guarding against it, then fine. But at this point, the science seems to bear out that, A, the ch- that children are the most resilient uh, and least susceptible to, to COVID. And, and second, that it's you know, most other places have, re- have, have relieved of these mandates. So I don't, get, I don't get why the governor vetoed it. And I don't get why some of these school districts that do continue to keep these mandates in place. You know, at the end of the day, who's going to take care of a child more, a bureaucrat or a politician or the parent? I'm going to side with the parent every day of the week. So it it gets to this question of risk assessment, uh, cost and benefit. And it was one of the things that was absent in the lockdown debate and a lot of the restriction uh, protocols that the governor put in place was yes you can I mean you can do these things in order to get to try to the you know this covid zero posture but what is the other side of the ledger and that's it seems like that's never included in any of these discussions and just the mere fact that the kids are still in masks and and the evidence is so you know clear about the damage that is done like there's there's got to be some other, I mean, I don't know if it's politics, I don't know if it's psychological, but there's, there's obviously some inability to, to rationalize the, the risk assessment and to understand, is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, you're, you're, and again, you're, you're spot on with this. It's, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you, you look at, but you know what? This is, if you look at the pathway that, that those on the far left don't mean to be partisan, but let's just say that Democrats have been doing since the inception of the uh, of COVID. It, it's been the same thing. It's been an overreaction. Uh, it's been you know mandating to businesses what they can and can't do. And and anyone with half a brain knows that a business, you know, they're not going to stay in business if they kill their customers, right? Uh, a, a, a employees, if you you create an environment where your employees or your patrons are getting sick, that's bad for your business. And, and those business owners knew better and know better than the governor or any politician what to do. And if you look at the states that remained more open uh, than North Carolina, there is no difference in the severity of COVID, in the death rate, in the hospitalization, in anything. But there's a huge difference when you look at businesses that went under, people that didn't have jobs, uh, behavioral health issues, all of those things. And, and there's a complete lack of recognition on the part of the left to realize that their policies that they that they forced on people uh simply in some cases caused more harm than good well and and, it, and the mask and the mask is the mask mandates just one more example of that right and another is it's not even covid related it is uh i know you were in raleigh when the riots broke out uh in 2020 and you talked about being in one of the buildings and fires being lit right out front and i saw this story that the cvs downtown raleigh they're gone they're they've closed up because the riots burned them out and they just could never get it back going and it was amazing to me like the number of businesses in downtown raleigh that now are not there anymore and uh it it was kind of comical at one point i saw like uh yeah in the news and observer fayetteville street will soon gain another empty storefront like it's a positive thing hey look they got an empty storefront rather than lost a business Yep. I mean, that's and, and I, it's there are multiple businesses, not just on Fayetteville Street, but on a lot of the other streets where there were at once were vibrant businesses. And now there's not. 
and and I think you can I think there is a direct correlation between that and between a lot of the mandates where you have in place where businesses were simply forced to shut down and I, it just it, it just just and there's just no shame by those on the left I mean there's no shame and by the way these are the same folks if you will who defended the quote peaceful protest right people were going through downtown building fires assaulting people and smashing out every window they could right and that was and see that cvs store was one of the buildings that got devastated by that fire um and now of course they're all running you know away from their defund the police campaign uh and and pretending that like we didn't see what they were doing and what they were saying and what they were defending back in 2020 um it 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 really is i mean it's at some level i do admire the gaslighting like it, it, they are very good at it. I will say, <laughs> they could turn on a dime. Well, you know, I was going to say if, if you if you've got if you've got so many in the mainstream media who will who will spread the lies for you, it's pretty easy. True, that's true. All right, uh, Speaker of the House Tim Moore, I appreciate your time as always, and uh, safe travels to you. We'll talk again next week. Great to be with you. All right, take care. That is the Speaker of the North Carolina House Tim Moore from Cleveland County. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Thanks to uh, Speaker Moore, as always, on Tuesdays at 2 o'clock with Tim. And um, I mentioned to him the the CVS story. Because it's not just Joe Biden's low approval numbers. It's not just the COVID restrictions. It's also the crime. And... This story about the CVS is about the crime, but it is also about the Democrats' approach to combating crime. And what we saw in 2020, I am not interested in forgetting that, much like the left wants to you know, constantly remind everybody about the one riot on January 6th. They also would very much not like to talk about or remember the many, many, many riots over the course of about a year and a half. At a time, I might add, when we were supposed to not be hanging out with each other because of the COVID. We literally had the experts, the scientists, tell us that it's okay to go out and demonstrate because racism is a bigger threat than COVID. Fayetteville Street... In Raleigh, I'm not kidding, by the way, this is the way the News and Observer reports the story. John Schaefer. Fayetteville Street will soon gain another empty storefront. Yay, we picked up an extra empty building. Look at us. Note the framing on that, right? The closure is a gain. The loss of a business, why, we're gaining an empty building. The CBS is shutting its door. Uh, It's doors, a move that claims uh, downtown Raleigh's only pharmacy. By the way, that building has apparently been a pharmacy since World War II. It was a Walgreens first. So now um, the CVS departure means Raleigh's main street grows lonelier. The Kimbrell's furniture store next door, that closed a few months into the pandemic. The Rocket Fizz candy store up the block also stands empty. Tasty Eights, the gourmet hot dog store across the street, they packed up and left three years ago. 
It was a year ago that the chain drug store renovated and reopened in 2021. Too much fanfare. It's a big celebration. Yay, we're back open. Look at us. Born again, baby. From what? From a year prior. When it got destroyed for justice. Because you can't fight systemic racism unless you burn down the CVS in a different state. A sign now posted on the door at 200 Fayetteville Street announces that the store, uh, the store will be closing on March 29th. Get this, as is always the case. I swear to God, it is always the case. While the Fayetteville Street CVS is one of the chain's smaller stores and it has no parking lot, many of its pharmacy customers walk two blocks from the Sir Walter Apartments which provide affordable housing for seniors. Why is it that these things always hurt the very people that Democrats claim to want to help? In many, many debates, the immigration debate is the perfect example of it. But it's also the case in education, which is just because I have a different path to get to a destination that you share doesn't mean I am your mortal enemy. The idea here that you've got elderly, poor people that live in subsidized housing two blocks from this pharmacy and that they were the ones who would walk there to get their prescriptions because they're old. They'd walk over there to get their prescriptions. Now they have no way to get their prescriptions by foot which now, because they're poor, it's going to create more of a burden on them. They're going to have to either take public transit, they're going to, and maybe that was the thing, maybe that was the deal. Maybe city leaders allowed their city to burn so this way uh, they could induce more people to get on public transit, help fill out the, the treasure. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm, look, I'm just trying to see all the angles here. But get this also. It is common to see homeless people buy food with spare change or stand in line behind pharmacy customers carrying all their belongings in multiple plastic bags, fumbling with a variety of ID cards at the counter. So not only is it elderly, poor people, but it's also homeless people that used this CVS that now is closed down, that had to reopen but couldn't make a go of it. They're done. They're out. Thank you, protesters. Who cares so much about justice. Crime is a problem. A little bit closer to home. Last night, city council. Cats bus operators. They were mad. Oh my gosh, were they mad. You know what they're mad about? Crime. On the buses and in the transit center. We'll get to that up next. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So it's not just about Biden's low numbers due to, like, inflation, Ukraine, or uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, It's about COVID restrictions and masks on kids and wokeism in education. And here's one. Dave Weigel from uh, Washington Post. Uh, He just tweeted out, One question that I asked Latino voters slash candidates in South Texas last week What term do you use for people who cross the border without permission? And without exception, 
R or D, it was, quote, illegals, a term that national Democrats no longer use. Yeah, they wiped it from their lexicon, just like the word aliens, illegal aliens. They, they don't say those words anymore. They tried to make Latin X happen. And like fetch, it didn't. So all of these separate issues are all sort of culminating together in one big ball of poop for the Democrats this election. And crime, with the defund the police efforts, crime is another element of the poop ball. Uh, so here is uh, one of, just one, and there were a bunch of speakers at the uh, city council meeting last night. Hundreds of city workers and bus drivers came out to protest for better working conditions and wages. This was uh, in response to not just their conditions, but the uh, the road rage shooting of uh, the Cats bus driver, Ethan Rivera. He was 41 years old, uh, and you heard in the newscast there that uh, they have now arrested a suspect. In that case, Darian Drew Thafichich. I think is how he pronounces that. Arrested in Kansas. And um, folks who work for cats are pretty upset. They're calling for people to get fired. Like, for real. They want the head of the cats division fired. They want, like, city manager's blood. Like, all of it. This was just one speaker. I believe her name was Gia Lockhart. Good evening. I am Gia Lockhart. I am a current operator with uh, cats. As of 6.51 p.m. tonight, there has been 1,805 petitions signed in safety. I have been assaulted. My peers have been assaulted. Mr. John Lewis, I want the city to stop funding your agenda. I want the city to listen to what the operators are going through on a daily basis as far as our safety and our security down at the city transit and in these city streets. The transportation center where you're the CEO is a mess. We have to deal with drugs, alcoholism, prostitution. I myself have been on a route for the past three and a half months where a man was masturbating on the bus. And I have other colleagues that has to, that has to endure stuff like this. I want the city to allow G4S or whatever company you privatized and, and brought in to get away. We need the CMPD or the sheriff to police our transit. Well, the same now. way they police our community. Well, now. You want CMPD, the police officers, to police the bus system, the transit system, the transit center, the same way they police the community. What a difference a year makes, right? And the trains as well. Thank you. And the trains. Don't forget. Mayor, you represent our city. This is not a good look for us. It's too much money running through the city, ma'am. Yes, sir. It's just too much. And as an operator of eight years and as a charlatan, I love my city. And you are allowing it, along with this man right here, to bring it down. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed, not yesterday, not a month before, but to now. We've had a driver to get killed right here on our city streets, shot in the head. That could have been me. That could have been any of these drivers up here. We need change. 
She's making a larger argument. It's not simply about the buses. It's not simply about the transit center and the trains, right? It's not simply about those individual components or even of the larger system itself. It's a citywide problem. She is making an argument that our city leadership is failing at the primary core function of all city governments, which is security, policing. That's it, guys. I understand you got the tax districts. You were looking at it in the South Park area, and you're looking to make improvements and sidewalk improvements and stuff like that, and that's all well and good. But your primary objective is to provide an umbrella of security that allows economic activity to exist. Because if people don't feel safe, No one's busting out the wallet for nothing. And all you're going to be left with is a transit system riding around with various people taking advantage of themselves. According to her, like, I don't know. Like, seriously, this is a problem. Why, Why are you allowing this to occur? Is it you're too wedded to the policies that so far have produced these results? That you somehow think if you just do it harder, you do it more, that that's somehow going to make it a, a different outcome? That's insane. That's insane. This is also, I would submit, this is a byproduct of what you get when you have a Democrat-controlled, single-party, uniparty monopoly on power. That's essentially what Charlotte Mecklenburg has now. And we are following, there was a guy who used to write for... Uh, he was a blogger in town. Um, Jeff Taylor was his name. And in his blog posts, he would he used to refer to Charlotte as Detroit on the Catawba. Because back then, this was 20 years ago, uh, he was talking about, and we had very high homicide rates. And what, ha- what eventually led to a shift in policing and focus to drive those numbers down and to get reforms in the court system and to pressure judges to stop releasing the, as the old uh, host Keith Larson used to say, repeat, 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 repeat offenders. There are, a, there are a small subgroup of citizens in Charlotte Mecklenburg that account for the vast majority of arrests for all sorts of crimes. Cops know who they are. The courts know who they are. The activists, the neighborhood leaders, they know who these people are. It takes leadership and it takes the will to do something about it. And when they had two parties that were competing against each other, they would attempt to do the the most right thing in the best way possible for the most amount of people because that's what would get them reelected. When you go to a uniparty system, you don't get that counterweight any longer. And now you're just talking to yourself, to your base. But I guarantee you, the people in that audience last night, they're all going to vote for the same Democratic politicians again. So you say you want change, but let's see you put that into action. Would you actually vote for a Republican or would you prefer to enjoy the circumstances that we currently have and that you currently labor under? You want to preserve those because you cannot see fit to vote for somebody else of a different political party. Your call. Your call.
News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. A reminder, Brett Winterbull coming up next. And then Mark Garrison, Charlotte at 6. And then uh, at 9 o'clock, we'll be doing the State of the Union coverage. Uh, Brett Winterbull will be in to walk it in and then react afterwards. So stay tuned tonight for that. You think it'll? You think Biden will be okay? You think he'll do an okay job? We shall see. Or here, as it were. All right, so inflation. This is what he's going to have to deal with. COVID restrictions, masks on kids, wokeism, education, his low approval numbers, the Afghanistan debacle, the Ukraine war, and crime. Right? These, are, these are all things that people care a lot about that he has to try to get up and tell us how the state of the union is something. Oh, and on the crime thing, hang on. On the crime thing, do you remember, this was a while ago, there was a, I call it the Antifa Inn. Do you remember this place? It's out in Western North Carolina, Maggie Valley. And there was this, uh, it's an RV park, it's like a camp park. And uh, these two people uh, took control of it because the, uh, it was Cody and Kitty Curran. That's their names. Cody Curran and Kitty Curran. It was originally years ago called the Apple Cover Inn. In 2015, they took over because Cody had, this is the story uh, from years ago, that Cody was um, uh, working there. He had uh, gone over there and was doing some work on the property, and the owner was like, hey, go over and tend to this. They were doing like a burn pile or something, and Cody went and dumped a whole bunch of gasoline on the burn pile and like lit himself on fire and got injured. So uh, being a good leftist, he sued the owner, The owner who was living in Florida, by the time the thing got through the court system, the guy did not show up to court, got a judgment against him, and the currents took control of the Apple cover in. They then changed the name to Our Place Inn, and they started taking in people, and they started putting signs up on the big marquee, Honk for ACAB. ACAB. You know what ACAB stands for? All cops are uh, born without mothers. All cops are. Mm-hmm. And then it said, Happy New Year, everyone, but LEOs. LEOs are law enforcement officers. These were the signs that they were putting up in Maggie Valley. And I can tell you, having lived in those parts for almost what, nine years or so, I can tell you, A lot of the folks there don't take too kindly to those types of messages appearing on the marquees on their main drag. So they started posting other signs. So there was a battle of signs on all these marquees down the main drag on uh, SoCo Road. So Cody Current, co-owner of Our Place Inn, spoke by phone to the Mountaineer reporter who arrived on scene the day after Valentine's Day at 9.30 a.m. after a 911 call was reported, was received. So Tuesday, February 15th, Mountaineer reporter on the scene talks to Cody Curran. After the police are there, Cody says, I'm very upset about this, and then asks the reporter to leave the property. Okay? Fast forward. Uh, This is about a week ago. A Haywood County District Court order obtained by the Mountaineer newspaper reveals the identity of the person found dead at the Our Place Inn, Catherine Pergerson. 
In court documents, Pergerson's address is listed as our place in 4077 Soco Road. That's the same address. An obituary for William David Allen Bryant Pergerson, published back in 2021, August, down in the Outer Banks, listed a sister, Catherine Pergerson Curran, whose spouse was Cody. That's Kitty Curran. She died. This young couple, I don't, there's no other information about how she died. Law enforcement officials have been tight-lipped about the investigation into the unattended death at the inn owned by Cody and Kitty Curran since the February 15th occurrence. The name of the person who had uh, who died had not previously been released by law enforcement, which is weird. The court order, dated February 18th, which sealed the search warrants, the 911 call transcript, and all related documents prevents the release of the information for 90 days it was requested by the police chief of Maggie Valley. On Tuesday, February 22nd, the police department is work, said it was working with the State Bureau of Investigation, said that they requested the order to be sealed because it contained information that could hinder their investigation. The Mountaineer requested the 911 call transcript, which is a public record, from the county sheriff's office. The day of the incident, the request was continually deflected until the court order sealing it had been secured. So every law enforcement agencies are stopping any information from getting out about this case. The police chief says he has no new information to share, and he did not expect more information to be, to be released before early uh, next week. All of this is quite odd, I would say. Um, but this was the Antifa Inn. They were hosting people who were traveling through the area to go to Asheville for the protests against the cops. This is one of the things that they were doing, that they were hooked up with. And now one of them is dead on the property. Now, I can speculate. I have all sorts of ideas that I could speculate about. I'm not going to. It's not worth it. Let's just wait and see what law enforcement produces here at some point. But these are the kinds of stories. You know what it reminded me of? The Chaz Chop. These are the stories that people remember, because again, as I said earlier, you're asking me to ignore that which I saw for myself and that which I know to be true. You're, you're, you're gaslighting me, telling me that those things are not real, or it's some misunderstanding on my part. But I saw what I saw. You guys did what you did. And I don't think voters are going to forget either. All right, Bright Winterville coming up next. Stay tuned. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.